today is an exciting day. Today is, by the way, we have to tell people we are recording early. Today is October 3rd, Thursday. Yes. So because I'm going to be out of town for a few days next week, we're recording early. I'm taking vacation. And you're taking vacation when I'm gone? No. <laughs> is that the way it works? No, I didn't know that. I'll be around. Hello, everybody. This is Thursday, October 3rd, but it's really the, the mass for the October 13th. Yes. They're not going to know the difference. I think you're just confusing them at this point. Uh, the podcast, October 13th. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 podcast. That is Michael Puppus who just said, I'm confusing you. And Father Herb is the one confusing you. Okay, but I said... Are you the confuser or the confusee? I'm usually both. Okay. So I said today's an exciting day. It is. uh, Because something I've been waiting a long time is happening at my house. You've been waiting all your life for this to happen. I've been waiting about a year. Okay, tell them what you're waiting for. So when we built the piano for the church, it was a Baldwin that had a cracked soundboard. Uh, that we got for free. It was at a Mormon church. So we got the piano for free. You got it free because it was from a Mormon church? No, they just, they didn't need it because they it had a bad soundboard. And, and couldn't use it. Yeah, so we gutted the whole thing and we put our really cool digital north. And re- redid the wood. Yeah, we actually refinished re- the whole thing. The piano itself. But as our piano technician was gutting it, we took out all the strings and the soundboard that was cracked and the big cast iron frame that weighs a couple hundred pounds and the keys and the hammers, the whole inside of the piano we took out. And um, John, who is our piano guy, said, do you want this stuff? And I said, yes. How often do you get the inside of a piano for free? Okay, how often do you get the inside of a piano for free? Not very often. Not, <laughs> I, not, I, not I, said the fly. So today, we're finally, because we've been doing these renovations at our house, I needed a wall that could hold this, but we're hanging. Because it weighs several hundred pounds. Yeah, we're going to hang this the Baldwin cast iron frame with the piano and the piano keys and the hammers. So it's going to look like the skeleton of a piano. I'm calling it deconstructed piano. We're going to hang it up in our family room. And then you know me, I always have to add some cool lighting to it. So it's going to have lights. Um, I'm really excited. But you, can't, but you can't play that piano. It will not be playable. But you can actually, what's really cool, you still play the keys and the hammers still move because it's all one mechanical block. Of, oh, that is of cool. Equipment. Yeah. So this is like you have a museum in the making in your own house. It's, I, I really was telling our contractor today, it is kind of like an art installation in our house. Okay. So And, and of course, my question was, how do you get it to something in the wall to hold several hundred pounds? Very and, carefully. Yeah. I'm actually just putting my children inside the wall. And they're, and they're hold, holding it. They're going <laughs> to Anyway, so we're excited. I'll get some pictures out so people can see it, but... I guess I feel like I should say thank you to St. John the 23rd Catholic community that I have the inside of our piano in my home. Well, I think you are welcome <laughs> because we're not using it here anyway. No, we wouldn't have used it. So. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I said I'm going to be out of town. I will be here for the weekend, but I'm, I do this annual brother bonding. How I'm many a, brothers are you bonding with now? Because I know originally there were seven brothers. Yeah. I'm the seventh son. It's like the seven dwarfs. No, the seven seven brothers. Uh, <laughs> you weren't dopey, though. Don't no. worry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but anyway, so we used to live in six different states for the seven of us. Two of them are now deceased, and another one will not be joining us. There's still going to be four of us. Uh-huh. But we, we started 25 to 30 years ago. Every year we get together in the fall, and we spend a few days together. We call it brother bonding. Yeah. And for some unknown reason that's written in the stars, my older brothers created a rule that every year it has to be in a different state. I think that's a cool rule. 
I don't know. I mean, what would happen if we met in the same state we had met in once before? So you can't even, you can't double back like five years apart. Like no, it's no, no. Just it's a different so, state. So absolutely, every year it's been in a different state. So I'd go this to year, this year it's in South Dakota. <laughs> oh, don't laugh. South Dakota is a beautiful state. It is. I, it is. It just. Would there it, might be somebody out there listening from South Dakota. If so, let us know. <laughs> Father is really working on this national audience. <laughs> I mean, I know people that have come from the Dakotas, and I, they're wonderful people. It just wouldn't be on. Well, you've heard. You've heard of Mount Rushmore. I have. You've heard of. Uh, Are you going? Rapid City. Yeah, we'll probably stop at Mount Rushmore, but we're actually we have a cabin. We usually get a cabin in a state park. Yeah. And this is in what's called Custer uh, State Park. Okay. And the pictures look ex- exquisitely beautiful. It's in the Black Hills. Will you eat custard in Custer? I am sure we will not. Oh. It'll be too cold for frozen desserts. It would be frozen frozen desserts. You'll be now, frozen. It it's going to be cold by the end of the our stay, but it starts off pretty warm and according to the forecast by by the time I'm ready to leave, I'll be glad to leave. So yeah, we are we're recording early due to father's brother bonding, but to those of you listening, you don't notice anything. They don't different. know. It's still going to sound I don't the know same. why we tell them, really. Well, because they're kind of curious, because they know I'm going to be gone, and they'll say, how did you do this? Well, something monumental could happen at church this weekend, and we're not talking about it on the podcast, and then they'd be confused. Because we don't know about it. Right. However, the other thing that's happening on October 13th. The, this upcoming Sunday from the podcast. Well, first of all, October 11th, keep that in mind. Oh, October yeah. October 11th is Friday. Uh, this comes out on Thursday, October 10th. October 11th is one year anniversary of the dedication of our church space, our building. Let's just enjoy that for a moment. One year later, how do you feel in our new church? I love it. I like the space. I I think it reflects the parish. You know, I believe church is people. It's a good place for us to assemble as the church. I find the space holy. It took me a little while to get used to it. It's large. And even around the altar, where to, you know, how to maneuver. Sure. Uh, I think we're still working out some of the kinks here and there on different things, but it's basically very good space. And uh, I feel very much at home. Yeah. I I love it too. I Not to steal your word. I think, you know, October 11th, 2018 will be a night permanently in my memory for the rest of my life as one of the greatest nights you know it was just uh, a holy night a beautiful culmination of all this church has worked so hard to do and a springboard for the next chapter and um i you know what i i don't disagree with you i will add however the subsequent sunday was every bit as exciting for me and maybe more so yeah Uh, so it's kind of it continues but I would like to get into the readings of the 13th, okay. which is the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Hold on, time out. You started a, a conversation and then got distracted by the anniversary. I you- got distracted by the anniversary because I got distracted by the anniversary. Okay, the bishop is going to be with us on October 13th. Yes. There's an additional Mass, 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon. For we her? have the regular Mass schedule, but in addition, we have confirmation. Somebody said to me last night, isn't this early to have confirmation? And the answer is no, it's really late. It is. We moved from having confirmation in April or May to having it in the fall. Yeah. And so this is our first year of doing that. We kind of changed our whole approach. And uh, the outgoing eighth graders, incoming freshmen, 
went to summer camp. We called them boot camps over the summer. They were hosted here at the parish. Wonderful. It was two weeks back-to-back. Well, well received by, by kids, consequently well received by parents. Yeah. I was there for both of them, and um, I feel you know they were prepared well. Aaron, our new five to eight minister is kind of taking part of this as the new person coming in. And Paul is kind of taking it as the, the, they're going to do a, a handoff of the baton in the middle of the confirmation mass, <laughs> but it'll be a great day. And a confirmation is always a really fun ritual and a beautiful sacrament to witness. So looking forward to that on uh, Sunday, the 13th and the confirmation uh, mass readings will be the same as the rest of the Sunday mass. Correct. Readings. Yeah. So let's, let's speak of those readings. Those. Okay. What do you know about leprosy? I know I don't have it. I know its modern day name is Hansen's disease. Yes. I know that it is not the epidemic that it was 2000 years ago or considered to be correct. And I know that in Jesus time, if you had leprosy, you would be socially outcast forever. Be- yeah, pretty much. You're right. You, you just, Said everything. Okay. All right, friends. We're, thanks we're, for listening to the Twenty Three okay. Podcast. No, the the one thing you failed to say was not only that it's not the same as Hansen's disease. I mean, Hansen's disease is the modern name name. Yeah. But they had a whole host of things that they considered leprosy. You alluded that in your homily on September 29th. Yes, because even with the skin cancer I've had, a couple of years ago when I had my nose removed, mm-hmm. in days past. The nose, who knows, who knows what the nose would have (laughs) happened, but I might have been considered an outcast. Yeah. Don't worry. I would still include you. Yeah. Because I care about you. Because I'm not uh, liturgically unclean. No one knows you like I do. The nose knows. (laughs) You call me a nose? (laughs) No, no, no. No. (laughs) Okay. Keep Keep going. Okay. So we have a story of 10 lepers. Uh, Would you like to read it, please? Sure, I would be happy to. We are still in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Which is a continuation of last week, chapter 17. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. Now I'm going to do the first reading from the book of Kings, the second book of Kings. Okay. Naaman... Naaman was a Syrian, which is a foreign country to the north. Mm -hmm. Naaman went down and plunged into the Jordan seven times at the word of Elisha, the man of God. His flesh became again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean of his leprosy. Naaman returned with his whole retinue to the man of God. On his arrival, he stood before Elisha and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. Elisha replied, As the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not take it. And despite Naaman's urging, he still refused. Naaman said, If you will not accept, please let me, your servant, have two mule loads of earth, for I will no longer offer holocaust or sacrifice to any other god except to the Lord. 
Now the similarities and the differences. Uh, Naaman was a Syrian mm-hmm. who had leprosy, came to Elisha. We had 10 lepers come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. At least one of them was a Samaritan. Now the Syrians were outsiders. They were foreigners coming to Elisha, who was the holy man of the, of the Hebrews. Okay. Uh, Jesus, of course, was Jewish, the Hebrews, mm-hmm. among the Hebrews. And we had the, the Samaritan was the one who came back. In both cases, uh, Elisha sent Naaman t- to go plunge into the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. And at, by the way, as an aside, if you read earlier on, Naaman at least at first resisted. Oh, really? Uh, but then his people said, we'll go ahead and do it. So he did, and he was cleaned. Jesus doesn't tell, tell the lepers to go to the to the river, but rather says, go show yourselves to the priest. So in both cases, the healing was not visible as part of the story. Yeah, I was as I was reading that, I thought, I wonder what they were thinking when he said, well, just go show yourselves to the priest. Did they walk away going, well, that stinks. He didn't even... Didn't even do anything. Okay, you know, but it was an act of faith that they were able to connect the dots. Sure. Did the nine who did not come back to thank Jesus? Maybe they they thought, oh, uh, something else happened. I'm I'm just a lucky a lucky person. It, it got healed <laughs> uh, on the way to show myself to the priest. How co- how could they though? Because I mean, they call Jesus Master. I mean, they they're they're clearly calling him out they want him to do something. they stood from afar remember you couldn't even get too close yeah and besides that um leprosy was a unitive force between the samaritan and probably the galileans or who the other the others were mm-hmm. who came to jesus normally they would not talk to each other but because they were all lepers they did band together mm-hmm in both cases, it was the outsider who got cured, and in both cases, there was this incredible show of gratitude. This is, I, as I was reading it, this is the same gospel that we usually read on Thanksgiving Day. It's, there's only two or three options that are given for Thanksgiving Mass, yeah. and um, it's one of them. It's not my usual first choice, but it is one of the choices mm-hmm. uh, for the gospel. And this year, I'll probably use one of the others because we have it right now. Sure. So it's it's about saying thanks, but it's more than just saying thanks. It's, it's really where it shows that God is a God of compassion. Mm-hmm. God is a God of healing. And if you know anything about the gospel of Luke, and I hope you do know something, it's once again a reminder that God crosses borders. Mm. It's not just going to heal you know can you imagine nine of them were healed and the one that was a samaritan was not healed yeah i mean no and so the samaritan just like in the story of the good samaritan Mm -hmm. the samaritan becomes the hero of the story because the samaritan was the one who saw something good had happened you know when you talk about god crossing borders it reminds me so um strongly of my experience down in McAllen, Texas on the mission when, trip. When you literally crossed the border. And we, we crossed into Mexico, and when we came back across the the bridge, we walked across a bridge from the United States into Mexico, and then we came back. And I shared a lot of this on the podcast before, I believe, but we encountered people sleeping on the bridge under plastic tarps and blankets. Uh, the man at the front of the line was there for 16 days before he was granted access into the United States to seek asylum. Um, but besides seeing the people there and, and, um, seeing their faces and trying to talk to them a little bit, 
there were two young, there's a young man and a young woman from Mexico, uh, from a church in Mexico that would bring food and water to those on the bridge every day. And um, it was really beautiful. And it was one of those moments in my life that I thought, here you are, you big dummy, the, you know, the American hero coming to save the day, forgetting that Jesus is in Mexico too. And this is not a one-sided effort that Jesus is taking care of his people from both sides. Um, and it was, it was, it's so simple, but at that moment it was very profound for me. Well, last week when I ended the homily, I was talking about refugee uh, world migrant and refugee day. Mm -hmm. And I ended the homily with the two minute clip from Pope Francis. Mm -hmm. I did find one email. I think it's on social media. A person said, but I am afraid of people at the border. Sure. And I thought, oh, that is so sad because the Pope was saying, you know, fear sometimes controls our hearts yeah. and it does not allow us to, to do all the right things. Fear also prevents us from really being people of faith. Yeah. I think the real enemy of faith is fear, not doubt. Fear, because faith is more than just in your mind, it's how you behave. Right. And sometimes we have fears that are unfounded. There, there's no real reason to be fearful. Yeah. I'm not saying don't be careful, but not be fearful. We have to say that, and we have to believe that God is bigger than we are, and God loves people on the other side. I used a phrase the other day in a talk I gave. Um, it was at the time of the uh, the first Persian Gulf War, mm -hmm. and then 1991. And uh, that's when Iraq invaded Kuwait and the United States came in to protect Kuwait. And um, there was a whole lot of propaganda out there about how awful the Iraqis are and were at that time. And I remember a speaker said, you have to remember one thing. Iraqi parents love their children too. Hmm. Which was just suddenly humanized the whole thing. Sure. And you say, Wow. They're probably more like us than different. You know, we, we sometimes, we mount this fear and even treat people as in less than human, Yeah, which is what I was saying last week about the, the rich man treating uh, Lazarus as less than human. He was almost treated the same as the dogs in the streets, mm -hmm. the mangy dogs in the street. Mm -hmm. He was a mangy um, beggar. Mm -hmm. So anytime you, you treat somebody as somehow subservient or less, you miss the point. So in Luke's gospel, Jesus is healing, and then that the Samaritan came back is extremely important, and the people needed to hear it. And guess what? We need to hear it today as well. As you talk about God loves people on both sides, whatever the each side may be, I was kind of... Reflecting on that in my drive in today, we're going to be doing a new song here in a few weeks called Run to the Father. And it really talks about a similar theme as many of these other songs, you know, reckless love, you know, God's unending love for each and every person, the dignity of each and every person created in his likeness. And as I was driving, I was thinking, do I really live my life in a way that reflects that God loves me? Do I really believe that or do I just like the idea of it? Because sometimes I think, 
well, of course he loves everybody and of course he loves me, but I can't be so egotistical as to think that he loves me just as much as he loves everybody else. You know, well, that's because we divide it. How many? What? What are there? Six billion, right. se- seven billion people in the world. I think it's so, almost eight now. Almost eight. So you get one eight eight billionth. Yeah. Percent of of Jesus of God's love. Yeah. No, you get a hundred percent of it. I know, but I, personally, I'm just airing my dirty laundry on the podcast. Yeah. I don't know if I'm living my faith in a way where I truly believe that right now. That's but, why I love the line from Saint Teresa of Avila. You know, she came out of her contemplative prayer and she said, I've come to realize that if I were the only person on earth today, if I were the only person on earth today, God could not love me any more than God loves me now. Yeah. So she had come to that very same conclusion, only she approached it from the other other side. Sure. So there you have it, people. Live your life in a way that you believe that God loves you enough to bring healing to you in whatever you are going through. And we are not lepers. I don't think so. There might be somebody with Hansen's disease out there listening, but we but we could be listened to by people who feel ostracized. Sure. People who feel isolated, mm-hmm. people who feel like nobody understands them or cares. Yeah. We could have some very lonely people out there. Um they have to know that there's space for them too because they might be standing afar off like these lepers did and said, "Hey Lord, how about us? Yeah. Do you have room? Do you have time for us? You know, by the way, I hear that often, you know. Oh, you're so busy, you don't have time for me and my petty problem. Sure. Well, so this weekend, with uh, to accompany this reading, we're singing this song, Healing is in Your Hands. And I love that song because it takes that act of faith, that vulnerability to place whatever we need healing from back in the Father's hands and say, I'm giving this to you, Lord. May your will be done. Okay, and we will continue with more next week. Have a great weekend, everyone, and uh, I hope you get back safely from bonding. Otherwise, uh, this will be my final words, (laughs) and I will return, I promise. (laughs) That's daunting. All right, guys, take care. God bless. God bless.